Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio, 106.5 FM, broadcasting from the top of the historic Hayburn Building here in downtown Louisville and live streaming to the world anywhere you are. You can check us out live or or also check out the archived versions of all of our programs via our podcast feed, which you can find at forwardradio.org. We also want you to go there and become a part of our community radio station. We rely entirely on on listener contributions to keep this station on the air. You can donate today at forwardradio.org to help keep us strong and broadcasting throughout 2022. And we're also totally volunteer powered. I'm a volunteer just like everybody else involved in the station. And if you've got ideas about what would make great radio or you want to help us make great radio, we need volunteers behind the microphones and behind the scenes. So join us at forwardradio.org. Click participate today. Well, what we do here on Sustainability Now each week is bring in folks from around the community who are doing great work in sustainability to talk about what they do and why it matters. And today on Sustainability Now, I'm really excited to be celebrating a new sustainability certification for the city of Louisville. It was announced just in December, I believe, that Louisville is has received a Lead for Cities Silver certification. We're going to talk all about what that means today with my two guests. I'm really excited to have in the virtual studio with me a new newish member of uh, Metro Louisville's uh, sustainability staff. Her name is Sumeda Rao. Welcome, Sumeda. Thank you for having us. Yeah, and welcome to, to be here. Welcome to Louisville, too. We're going to talk about you in a minute, uh, but she is a lead AP and a sustainability specialist with the Office of Advanced Planning and Sustainability in Louisville Metro Government. You can, of course, play along at home and find out more about that at louisvilleky.gov slash sustainability. And then from the side of the body that gives these certifications, we're speaking today with someone from the U.S. Green Building Council. His name is David. Abel, and he's joining us from St. Matthew's today. Welcome, David. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. Um, like you said, Justin, I'm, I work with cities around the U.S. Um, they're working towards certification, so it was really nice to work locally with the team here to help them become certified. Yeah, David happens to be a Louisville native, and we've got him on the Lead for Cities manager team at uh, U.S. Green Building Council, which, again, if you want to play along at home, you can learn more about them at usgbc.org. So I imagine... Some of my listeners are familiar with this concept in general, but let's let's start with a blank page here. What the heck is LEED? And I associate with buildings. So how do you apply the whole concept of LEED to an entire city? Yeah, great questions. You know, that's also the question I get from family members of what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the, the best way to go about it is, I mean, most folks are familiar somewhat with LEED for buildings, which is a rating system for certifying the energy and efficiency and sustainability of buildings. So um, there's certain points you get along the way to get a certain designation. Yeah. Similar to this, as far as rating systems go, LEED does that for cities and communities. So just to quickly kind of give a little bit of perspective, um, this is the culmination or ongoing culmination of 15 years of work. So about 15 years ago, different partners, USGBC, ICLE, a few others came together and were, were asked by the burgeoning field of, field of kind of urban sustainability experts to help us create a playbook, a way to measure sustainability and guide the work. 15 years ago, urban sustainability 
was recycling energy efficiency. Right. There was some cutting edge folks, but um, the field was expanding. There was a need for um, making sure they were doing the right work and that it was making an impact. So Star Communities was formed out of that. Star Communities was also a rating system, um, was around for about five or six years. In 2017, Star merged with USGBC to create Lead for Cities, the current version that is out there now. So, and, and Louisville got a Star Cities rating, right? Yeah. So in 2015, Louisville certified under Star. So this certification that Louisville received just kind of shows their ongoing commitment to track progress and kind of hold themselves accountable for the work that there is being done. And just so folks know, LEAD is an acronym, and it's L-E-E-D, Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. And I mentioned that, Sumeda, you're a LEAD AP. What does that mean? What does that certification for you as a professional mean? So that stands for LEAD Accredited Professional, and there's multiple branches of LEAD within which you can get specialized credentials like that. So the most basic one is the LEAD Green Associate, and then there's the LEAD for Building Design and Construction, LEAD for Operations and Maintenance, so different rating systems. And it's, it's a really helpful uh, credential to have if you're working in the green building, green infrastructure industry, because it teaches you a lot. It focuses on of course, the rating system that USGBC has developed, which is very widely used around the world, but it's also just good foundational concepts on what green infrastructure means in terms of buildings and uh, landscapes and the whole built environment. So, so it's a it's a great uh, credential to have, and it's definitely been helpful with. Uh, my career and all the work that I've been doing with Louisville and otherwise. And had you been involved in a, a lead certification before? Maybe not a citywide one, but is that something you, you had experience in? No, I did oh, wow. not. But, <laughs> but fun fact is so I used to be a lead consultant working with buildings in a previous job. But the interesting thing is that that's when the Lead for Cities rating system was being developed. And I actually uh, had the opportunity to have a small role in providing some feedback as the rating system was being developed and, you know, what kind of metrics to include and oh, wow. what makes sense for cities. So that was really fun. I was in love with cities back then, too. I just wasn't working in one. So it was, it's kind of a good full circle experience to come back and you actually have a chance to use that rating system. Wow. And when did, when did you come on board at, at Louisville? I started in August, so I've been here about six months now. Wow. Welcome, welcome. And David, tell us about your background. How did you get into all this? So it was a fun journey. So, <laughs> you know, went to school in Kentucky, went to center, went off to grad school for urban planning, came back here and was working full time at KIPTA and then also did Oh, um, yeah. volunteered and did an internship with the Louisville Sustainability Council to help them get their STAR certification back in 2015. That turned into a full-time job with STAR and has evolved from there. And now I'm on the board of the Louisville Sustainability Council and trying to keep things moving there. So it's been also a interesting journey to kind of, you know, I wanted to be here and it's nice to be able to still be in Louisville and, and keep working in this arena. Great. Well, so you started out telling us it was like a 15-year process of translating the lead system to a city level. So help our listeners understand what that looks like. Like what kind of yeah. what kind of data does a city have to gather to get a lead rating? Yeah, definitely is always evolving, but you know, we take both a quantitative and qualitative approach to measuring sustainability. So we have different categories like natural systems, transportation, energy, um, water, quality of life, and so on. Hmm. And within these, cities need to kind of meet prerequisites, base standards of both, both access, quality, 
and certain data points that um, they need to demonstrate that they can achieve. And then they also have credits that they can get points for, policies, different transportation systems, um, different things along the way to, to kind of gather points to get a certain level of certification. And, you know, ideally, you're really using this as a roadmap from which to move forward that, yes, yeah. we need to celebrate that this is a certification, but to where we did well and didn't do well to make progress. Right. And Louisville got a lead silver rating, which is not the top level, right? What would be the path forward? What are these levels? Yeah. For some context there, there is about 110 certified cities, towns and counties around the globe. Oh, wow. In this current version of Lead for Cities, which came out in 2018, there's been 21 certifications. One has been platinum. 21 have reached gold. Seven silver and two are certified. So platinum is 80 points and above. Gold, 60 points and above. 50 points and above is silver. So Louisville Round landed in that 50 points and above. And, um, you know, I think that is a very, it's, if you look at how points are dispersed and where it's happening, um, it's regional. A lot of points are based on our energy and greenhouse gas emissions category. Yeah. Yeah. And so places like Cincinnati, Cleveland, Louisville have all landed in that silver category. And you can imagine that um, the grid in which we operate in plays a big influence. Um, Santa Monica, California is the one platinum. A lot of Florida communities have been gold. So hmm. you can see the things that really influence the, the point distribution. Yeah. And then, of course, when you get a lead rating for a building, you sort of do the construction project, you certify it. It's a gold building or whatever. With cities, they're always evolving. So how long does this certification last? Yeah, it might not be linear, right? I mean, and, and one thing is you build to a spec in a building. You know, okay, yeah. <laughs> we're going to build a gold building. Um, hopefully we're making linear progress, at, at least here. But uh, yeah. um, that's why it's important to recertify. We recommend every five years. Oh, okay. So the, the star certification the city did was in 2015. And... Um, Leave is in 2021. You know, they're, they're not the exact apples to apples comparison, so it's hard to kind of say, yes, we've made XYZ progress, but um, it is helping to show the, the, the commitment over time. Okay. And the twist is that the interesting twist is that the bar also keeps getting raised, right? So as USGBC evolves uh, the rating system itself, they kind of set the bar a little bit higher. That's been certainly happening with buildings as technologies improve and scale. So uh, not only will Louisville be looking to maintain our certification, but also if we want to get to the next level, we're going to really have to think about all the different ways we can do that. Right, right. So, I mean, we've only got like half, a little more than half the possible points in the leads for cities system, right? So that really does show a pathway forward. And it's not an easy thing to snap your fingers and make progress on this, right? Like like you were talking about issues in the utility grid, like those are really hard to change, but they need to change, right? And and Louisville Metro is even a part of that process now with LG&E, right? So, Sumedha, you've been diving deep into all of this data. What, what was this process of gathering all the data like? What did you discover? Yeah, so so this was a team effort. I, I stepped into probably the second half of the effort. So I have to do a shout out to the rest of my team and Natalie, who was here before me for a lot of the initial heavy lifting that they did. Yeah. But it was it was a really interesting process because, um, I mean, we try to be a very data driven team, the sustainability team here at Louisville Metro. We understand how important it is. Everyone says you can't 
manage what you can't measure. And we certainly believe that. So, but, but the challenge is, especially when you're a small team dealing with complex challenges like climate change and sustainability Mm -hmm. at a city scale, it's so interdisciplinary, so intersectoral. There's so many things that go into it that is that it can be pretty hard to uh, even know where to begin, yeah. what data points to collect. It's very complicated. And even when you figured out what you need, that data may or may not be available or you may not know how to use it. So it's been really great to have, uh, you know, lead for cities as a as a guidance. And we've also certified under CDP and a few other rating systems before. So, and each of these rating systems have unique strengths and different, you know, I think together is really helping us understand how to navigate, what data to collect, where to find these things accessibly, and then how to interpret those things. And one of the other benefits, and we certainly do not need an excuse to collaborate more with <laughs> other departments. And it's something we strive to do all the time, but but just having a rating system like this does nudge you to maybe talk to departments you haven't spoken to before to mm. collect data points that that you know they've been collecting and you know like for example talking to office of housing for the quality of life credits we had to talk about what we're doing about affordable housing and those are things that i don't interact with on a daily basis so uh, and then talking to msd and tark and the air pollution control district it was it was a really cool process just to you know, make connections at these different organizations, collect those data points and have have it all in one place. So you get a more holistic picture of how the city is doing. Yeah, I agree. It's it's super helpful to have a benchmark to compare yourself to, right? And, and David, how does Louisville's process compare to other cities where, where I mean, you, you told us about how some of the other cities rank, but um, was it particularly easy for you Louisville to gather this data or and and share it uh you know how does it compare and and what what does USGBC offer cities that want to do this and have never done it before yeah definitely as I said Cincinnati and Cleveland are kind of regional peers that that both fell in that silver category places like Charlotte Orlando were both gold so that you know they're a little bit bigger a little little bit more Mm. resources that they have access to um and so a lot of the points does count, you know, I mean, you can look at a few of the, the, the prerequisites that are the big point ones, like the greenhouse gas inventory, that the global, while we have had a reduction in emissions, we still got zero points according to kind of the performance in, in our rating wow. system. So we have a ways to go there. And I think what we have seen as far as the, the ease with which Louisville to participate and gather the information, one, it, it kicked off in March of 2020. <laughs> so immediately there was a, a wrench thrown in as far as kind of the process goes. But oh my gosh. Um, the knowledge of the staff um, and the staff also had, you know, some changes along the way as well. But yeah. um, Louisville is lucky to have a very intelligent and committed staff that have been a part of the process. And so having gone through STAR before and having that knowledge definitely did help them move along to get certified. So I think that that is definitely something we saw there, that the quality of the application was clear, that the city was very organized with how they prepared everything and put it together. And it's been a good example to share with others um, out there on how to go about this process. Um, You know, I think that what Sumita touched on is one of the biggest values that we see um, is that this is a transformative process. It gives you the opportunity to take a point in time to engage others throughout the city on the work that you're doing and show them the role that they can play. Places that are really making a lot of progress have integrated sustainability throughout operations. It's not just the one person in public works or the one person in the mayor's sustainability office. 
driving change. Yeah. It is everyone collaborating together continuously, and all decisions that are made are considering and thinking about things like the Climate Action Plan. And so I know that's happening in Louisville. Um, as a resident and, and you know an environmental advocate, I wanted to have more. I'm always gonna you know kind of like a sports analogy, especially here in Kentucky. You know, we're, we're never happy with a if we squeak out a win, you know, it, it needs to be a huge win. We need to show domination. We need national championships every year. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes what we see in cities is that the environmental advocates are the toughest, but one, we need to be, celebrate this win, Yeah. but we got to go further and faster. And 2030 is not that far away. And we have a lot of goals to meet by then. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of a tangent. I think you also asked about what does USGBC offer? Anyone that joins the program, you know, it's an evolving rating system. We're in beta still and we're, we're evolving, so we always want feedback. But we provide coaching, project management along the way to help not just meet the requirements, but, but again, find ways to integrate this into your operations. Right. I will plug that we have a, a call for applications right now for to join our national cohort. That's what Louisville was a part of. It is a subsidized by Bank of America free to participate a 12-month program for local governments to be a part of and apply oh, wow. and pursue certifications. So and, and those could be local governments of any size, right? Any size. We've, you know, we've gone from a village of 500 people wow. that's currently in the program all the way to, you know, city of Houston, which is well over 2 million. So there are advantages and disadvantages for all sizes and shapes and forms the city comes in. More data together, less people to get in touch with for smaller ones. You know, it, it, it just really depends. But we, we have experience working with everyone. I'm speaking today here on Sustainability Now with, you just heard from David Abel. He's the U.S. Green Building Council's lead for cities manager and are also a Louisville native. And Sumeda Rao, who is a lead AP and sustainability specialist in Metro Government. We're celebrating uh, Louisville's recent certification as a lead for cities, silver level city. And let, let's do some celebrating. So, Sumeda, what are some of the biggest strengths that this certification has revealed that, that Louisville's really doing well? So there's a few different things that are definitely worth celebrating and the certification is highlighted. So one of them is in the resilience category, the resilience oh, planning category. Yeah. We did really well. And this is because we have a hazard mapping plan that identifies the hazards in our community, climate change, including one of the hazards uh, that we've studied. We have um, a climate change vulnerability vulnerability assessment plan that talks about, uh, that assesses how climate change is going to affect residents and businesses in different sectors over the next several years Mm, and what sectors it affects more, which effects are more likely. We also have a a resilient plan that we developed as part of the 100 Resilient Cities that we participated in, and that focuses more on human resilience. So it talks about, you know, building more equity and trust in the public and uh, a sense of, you know, community and things like that. And of course, we have our Prepare Louisville plan, which we uh, launched recently, which also talks about our climate adaptation strategy. So based on all of the information we've gathered on our climate risks and vulnerabilities, what are we now going to do as a city? What's our plan forward to prepare our communities? Because we know that these impacts are inevitable. So how do we lessen the impact? How do we make sure people in our public systems are capable of handling those impacts? So um, a lot actually, so we also recently got the CDP A-list recognition 
the biggest things that helped us there was also having this plan. More and more cities are focusing on coming up with climate resilience plans in addition to their climate action plans. And uh, it's really great to see that. And I think that we're, and it's, it's really great that we have that in place. So now, and that, that's a huge milestone because now we just focus on trying to implement what's in those plans and the planning process itself was a big project that we're happy we mm. were able to accomplish. So resilience planning was one of our biggest strengths. And the other one was Urban Heat Island for which we got an innovation credit. And this is something that was also highlighted this in the in COP26 this time, they had a, a virtual session with USGBC and we were able to uh, talk about all the strategies that our Louisville is using to combat Urban Heat Island. So we're doing some great things in terms of, you know, planting a lot of trees yes. and really working on improving our urban tree canopy. So a big shout out to Trees Louisville and Louisville Grows and Community Forestry and Parks and Rec and all of these departments and organizations and citizens that are really working so hard on that goal. And, uh, and I'm not going to steal anybody's thunder, but I will say that there is some positive news on that front that you will be hearing soon. <laughs> so we, we really need that in this field because sometimes it just seems like <laughs> a lot. So it, it's nice when we have those little wins when we know that everything we're doing yeah. is, is, is pushing us in the right direction. Yeah. So and, and also we have this project called Green Heart in Louisville where we actually study the impact of trees on public health. Uh, it's almost like a clinical trial. It's a very unique and comprehensive study. So, And Louisville happens to be the fastest warming urban heat island in the nation. So, the fact, so we are starting from a pretty bad place, right. but then the fact that the community has come together and is working so hard on improving that is really great. And it's not um, just it's not just trees too. There's the yeah. whole cool roof rebate program. You want to talk about that? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So we have uh, a lot of programs to also reduce urban heat in the built environment, like the cool roof rebate program. Oh, sorry, it's now the incentive program, and it provides a one dollar per square foot incentive on any cool roof installed on residential or non-residential buildings. So it has to be a certified cool roof, certified by Energy Star or the Cool Roof Rating Council. And you can find the application on our website. So anyone who's looking for a roof replacement anytime soon, please try to take advantage of those because we have a lot of funds to give away that we want to give away. <laughs> and... We also prioritize the highest heat district. So we uh, we try to be equitable with the funding. So 70% of all the cool roof funds is actually uh, allocated to targeted districts, which are high heat districts. And most of these districts fa fall in West and South Louisville. So there's plenty of funds available in that category. So we definitely want property owners to know about it and to take advantage of those funds. So just to reiterate, if you are own, it doesn't matter who you are, right? You could be an individual or a business or nonprofit. If you own a building that currently mm -hmm. has a dark roof that is absorbing all that heat in the summer, which makes you have to spend more money to cool your building anyway, right? You can get a $1 per square foot incentive from the city to redo your roof 
with basically just in a different color, <laughs> a lighter color. Yes. It's not like yes. you have to plant vegetation on your roof or something wild like that. This is this can be pretty conventional looking, right? Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people think that it has to be a pure white roof. And a lot of people don't find that to be very aesthetic. But there's a lot of rated cool roofs that mm-hmm. are grayish and not just completely pure white. So you'll be surprised to see that there's plenty of options of rated cool roofs that might actually, you know, that you might actually also like the look of. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's a great win, win-win situation because you're reducing your own electricity bills over time. You're keeping your neighborhood cooler and you're getting a little bit of rebate for it. Sorry, incentive. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, David, Bumby's going to be mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, David, um, how does this compare to other cities, some of our strengths? Is this is this what you're seeing in, in other cities? I think that highlighting the urban heat project is, is work that's being done here is definitely something that we have um, highlighted with our network because I think Global is a leader there. Like Samantha said, I mean, it is a problem here, but what is being done to address yeah, the problem? Yeah is um, really, really kind of leading the way. Um, I think that the resilience planning, you know, that that's great to see because it is a result of recent work. Full credit there kind of shows that Louisville had taken the steps necessary recently to have put these plans in place to earn the credit there. It's and also so, a way to, you know, to advance justice in our city, which has been so torn mm-hmm. apart by racial inequities, right, that persist. You know, a lot of these climate impacts are going to most heavily impact those already marginalized populations. So building resiliency means making it a better place for those most marginalized populations, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, not just in our quality of life section, but throughout the rating system, we've tried to weave equity throughout the credits as much as possible. So something like our green spaces credit, it's not just about how many parks you have, but it's about the access to the parks. Yeah. Does the whole city have equitable access to the parks? Louisville didn't get the points. And part a lot of that is because we have fantastic parks, but they are big and centralized and not dispersed throughout the city. Yeah. Um, our quality of life section, things like distributional equity, looking at access to resources and services, not just as a city as a whole, but within districts throughout the city. We didn't get points there. So that's something that, to look at and try to evaluate a bit more. Um, we have a requirement, the demographic assessment, that asks for cities to disclose not just the educational attainment of the community, but break it down by neighborhoods. Mm. So the cities go through this practice. And for many, this has been eye-opening to say, oh, I thought we were well off, or I thought that, you know, we did have kind of equitable education. And they find out that this neighborhood or this part of the city has less, and, and they start to understand these historical reasons for why. And so going through this process, obviously, we need to do more and have more equity throughout the rating system, but it is um, a good starting point from which cities can, can start to address these ongoing problems. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the some of the Highlights, but David started touching on some of the lowlights. Too. Like, <laughs> Sorry. That's good. Like this is, you know, this is, we want to share a way forward, right? And talk about what really Louisville needs to do to continue improving. So, Sumeda, what are some of those other challenges that you identified in, in putting this lead application together for the city? So I'll, I'll talk about some of the, the credits that we were really hoping to, you know, be able to get some more points in, but just couldn't find a way forward just because we really are struggling in those categories. So David mentioned before that energy was our biggest weakness. So we have to report a carbon emissions per capita as as a metric for that. And ours is about 17 
0.12 metric tons of CO2 per capita. That actually is a little bit higher than the U.S. average of 14. Mm. So, and this is because of our energy system, which is primarily fossil fuel based. That's very little renewable energy mix in it. And this is something that Louisville is really working on. And that's the other great thing about this rating system. It does validate a lot of the work that you are doing because so much of our attention, at least recently, has been on energy. And it's it's good to know that, you know, we're focusing our priorities in the right areas that really need the work. So we know that Metro Council passed a 100% clean energy resolution yeah. last year. That includes the three sub-goals. One of them is clean energy for uh, Louisville and Louisville Metro government's operations, sorry, clean electricity by 2030, clean energy for Louisville Metro government by 2035, and clean energy community-wide by 2040. So we've been working really hard on those goals. On the first goal for clean electricity for Louisville Metro government, we hired our first energy manager last year who's been uh, doing some incredible work in terms of making our own buildings much more efficient. Um, And you should maybe bring him on in another podcast to talk about all the great work that he's been doing. I've been meaning to get him on my program. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And, uh, And also we're working with the National Renewable energy laboratory which is part of the doe to and they've been helping us do a study to assess what the options are for for us to transition our electricity system and for clean energy that involves in addition to electricity it also involves heating and cooling and transportation all of those things so the mayor signed an executive order for all of metro's fleet to transition towards to start prioritizing evs so that's another thing we're very excited about is that we are in the process of figuring out a plan to transition our own fleet to electric and to also create a community-wide infrastructure. And now that we have the announcement of the Ford battery plant in Kentucky, there's a lot of excitement in the economic development space as well for the EV jobs and the economy that that creates, the green economy that that creates. So we're definitely going to be trying to tie all of those things together and see how we can help more people uh, support them in making transition to EVs and other sustainable modes of transport. And Finally, for the community-wide goal, that's the hardest piece because it's it's a it's a huge project. But we do have a lot of programs that could help citizens. So yes. one of them is the Cool Roof Incentive Program that I mentioned earlier. So that's a great way to get some money back on installing energy-efficient infrastructure in your house. And the other very exciting program is our Solar Over Louisville program, which we launched at the Louisville Sustainability Council last year. So. Anyone who is interested in installing solar on their property can now uh, join this program because we are uh, providing a pathway for greater discount on solar. So it just makes solar more affordable for everyone. And Louisville Metro government is working with the Louisville Sustainability Council on this. And we're in the process of uh, selecting a vetted solar installer. So we remove the hassle of having to do that for each individual household or resident. So we're going to be able to provide it one or more vetted installers who will then, you know, the more citizens that we have that sign up for this program, the greater the discount we can negotiate so we can get more affordable solar for everybody. So that's very exciting. And anyone who is interested in that should absolutely check out our website and I know you mentioned the louisvilleky.gov slash sustainability website. We also have another one called 100percentlou.com, which is 
focused on our renewable energy goals. So if you want to hear more about everything we're doing on energy and how you can participate in a lot of our programs, that's a great place to go to. So 100, uh, the digits 100% spelled out, lou.com slash, if you go to 2040, that takes you to our community-wide energy page and it has information about solar over Louisville. It links to the Cold Road Incentive Program and all of that good stuff. Great. And, and listeners can find links to that in the program notes on our podcast version of this program, which you can find at forwardradio.org. We're talking today about Louisville's recent Lead for Cities Silver Rating, which came out in just December with uh, the two of the people involved in, in making that happen. Sumeda Rao, she's the lead AP and sustainability specialist in the Office of Advanced Planning and Sustainability in Louisville Metro. And David Abel's with us, too, from the U.S. Green Building Council. He's uh, lead for cities manager. Uh, you know, one of the things that when Sumeda was talking about uh, the energy use per capita that, that came up to my mind when, when we start looking at this issue of comparing cities, you know, Louisville's a place where we actually make stuff still. Right? A lot of cities don't ma- do much manufacturing. And, you know, we're exporting those things for the benefit of not just people in Louisville or Kentucky, right, all over the world. So how do you even compare the kind of apples and oranges question? Or, or does USGBC think about maybe it's emissions per dollar value generated in the city? or something? How do you even make these comparisons, David? Yeah, it's hard, right? I mean, it, it, we'll, we'll, we'll never make anyone happy <laughs> or everyone happy. Um, but, um, you know, one of this is a standard that uh, the, the score you get on that is based off of how you perform relative to a data set that has all types of cities within it. Um, but um, that is a good critique. You know, we hear it from other similar cities, Cleveland, Cincinnati, these former Rust Belt mm, towns that yeah. we still make stuff. Portland does awesome because... You know, they don't make anything. They're a knowledge economy only. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I think that a couple things. One, we do have credits like our low carbon economy credit that does look at um, carbon intensity. About So that does help capture that. Um, and then it's part of the storytelling along the way, you know, um, that, that we do talk about that we have car manufacturing plants here. And so, of course, we're going to use more energy. And then the last part is um, right now we're really looking at scope one and scope two emissions. That's what most cities are looking at. Um, electricity that's consumed, electricity that's generated, um, energy consumed, generated. And scope three looks at con- what is consumed. And so as we start to see more scope three emission inventories around uh, within local governments, I think that that could evolve over time. But um, Again, the last thing is this rating system in the USGBC world is in beta. So we have trialed it out for the past three years. This is the year we hopefully make it more official. There Mm. will be changes. When we look at what points Louisville didn't get, some of these are because we need to change credits. And so things like this from both hearing part of my role is to work with cities to give us feedback on how to change it, not to make it easier, but to measure the right thing. Mm. And so that's, that's part of that. Mm, okay. Yeah, and speaking of, you know, manufacturing and all of that, the other credit that we didn't do so well on is waste. And oh. I know that, yeah, I, we we produce way more per capita waste than the national average. Hmm. And that could also be because of our industries. I'm, I haven't dug deep enough into that data to really understand what those are. But I think that, you know, of course, our city is 
doing a good job of providing recycling carts and holding those pop-up drop-off events where you can drop off special waste like electronic waste and offering compost solutions to households and things like that. But we certainly recognize that there's more that can be done and usually a little afraid to talk about consumption because they think that if you know you're asked to consume less then it's just like <laughs> what about the economy yeah, right yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but i think we need to start thinking about not so much you know stop buying things entirely versus how do we you know support businesses that are trying to uh reduce their own emissions and how do we support more businesses to make that transition and uh, you know create a local greener economy yeah well that on that same thread, one thing that I think has been really interesting to see lately is cities that are starting to adopt and publish circular economy Ooh. master plans. And so Cleveland and Charlotte both did this, and that's about um, becoming a zero-waste community and how that can become a huge part of your economic activity. And yeah. so um, if you're interested, I encourage you to look at both of those. That you know, this isn't Charlotte's is really fascinating. It's not just being led by the sustainability folks, but the economic development folks that are leading the way of how showing how this can become a huge part of their economy. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that yeah. is. Waste doesn't have to be a waste. It can be a resource. <laughs> it's only mm-hmm. it's only wasteful if we landfill it, right? <laughs> so yeah. um, I'm I'm excited to think about that. And and in, as we move towards a wrap, like let's talk about how this informs this lead for cities rating that Louisville has just gotten. Informs the sort of planning process going forward. I know it just came out, so it's a little early days. But can we talk about that? Like, what are the next steps here? Sure. Yeah. So it's really great to have this benchmarking system. So now we know where we are on various credits. And um, I think we're going to, you know, continue to really put a lot of emphasis on areas where we're doing very poorly and try to improve those credits as much as possible. There's also certain what I call lukewarm credits, which, (laughs) you know, we may not be doing extremely well in and we're not doing it terribly either. But we see that, you know, either... Either we did okay in them because the bar is not that high right now because all cities are kind of struggling with that, but we know we have a long ways to go. Like David was saying with access to, you know, making green spaces accessible and Mm. with improving equity and with, uh, you know, having maybe like, you know, more uh, incentives for buildings and infrastructure across the city to transition to more efficiency and greener practices and things like that. So, um, I think it's really good insight to, you know, know which areas we need to focus on, which areas we can continue to do good things in, and which areas we need to maybe think about those metrics more carefully going forward and say, uh, you know, did we, was this an easy win for us? Is there more work we can do on this? And, um, you know, and how does it tie in with other credits and things like that? And it will be really interesting to, you know, continue to, uh, recertify every few years, like David mentioned, and and track our progress over time and see what's working and what's not, things yeah. like that. Yeah. And and I want our listeners to walk away with something to do here. So first thing is, is there a digestible version of our of our lead rating that people can go find online? And then second of all, what would be action steps for citizens to get more involved in moving us forward? Sure. So 
Well, for right now, we just have a press release, which I can send <laughs> to you. And I know that's not a lot. And I know USGBC is going to help us come up with a, a case study that talks a little bit more about how our city did on all the credits. But until that's ready, our, our press release does give you the highlights of what we talked about, where we did well and what we're doing in areas that we didn't do so well and things like that. So we can certainly share that around. And other than that, uh, in terms of what citizens can do, I will reiterate that, you know, there are we do have funds in the cool roof incentive program we have the solar removal program that's just launching please take advantage of these programs because we really want them to be successful and the more popular these programs are the more we can continue to keep them funded and you know every year on year so it's uh and we also you know apart from the office of advanced planning and sustainability the air pollution control districts offers a lawn care incentive. Oh yeah. Uh, Talk about for that. Efficient. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not the expert on this. I will refer to them, but they do have, I, I think, uh, more less polluting lawn equipment that you can use. They also, we also have a tree rebate and the uh, division of community forestry gives out free trees and about 70% of plantable land is actually private land in Louisville. So hmm. we really need a, you know, our, our department is doing what they can to plant on public right of way, but there's a lot citizens can do to take advantage of those uh, those incentives and those programs and, and try to advance sustainability in your own homes and things like that. And of course, other than that, we would always welcome ideas and feedback, and we want to engage and work together with our community on all of these challenges. So uh, check out our website again, louisvilleky.gov slash sustainability Follow us on our social media at Sustain Lou on Twitter and Sustain Louisville on Facebook. And uh, check out the 100% Lou website. And we also have a newsletter you can sign up for so you can stay up with all our updates on a monthly basis. Great. And David, you get the last word in the last few minutes here. What, what, how can we be inspired from other cities that you've been learning about through your role at USGBC? I mean, are citizens engaged in other cities and driving them forward that, that might be inspiring for us? Yeah, I think that we need to give them more avenues to become involved and become engaged. You know, I know there's very passionate groups about biking, about trees, about kind of sustainability oriented subjects within Louisville. And these all fit into the climate adaptation plan, the prepare Louisville plan, and find ways to engage with those actions and engage with those groups in the city. I know that we do engage citizens, but let's find more ways to get them involved and and make them feel like their voice matters and that they can make a difference. And again, I'll I'll go back to kind of places that I see that are making huge progress as leadership, Mm. having strong leadership from the top and and starting to have really strong action. And we've had great leadership in Louisville for a long time. And I know that we have an opportunity coming up with a new mayor race coming on and, and council members. So be engaged with them, ask them the questions that you care about to find out how they're going to affect sustainability and uh, make sure that they are interested in what you're interested in and give you, and give you real answers. And so um, be engaged and, and see how you can help out. I think that's really important. And I know that Louisville's lucky to have a really strong team in the sustainability office. And so their work isn't going to get easier. And so support them. I know that one of the biggest issues with sustainability offices across the country is having capacity to do their work. Sustainability sure. encompasses so many things that has to do so much. So having the rest of the departments, everyone on board along the way to help do that work is, is really crucial to meet our very ambitious goals that we have to meet. Um, 
you know, I, I think that you probably heard my one-year-old and four-year-old screaming as they're home um, <laughs> from school right now. And it's important for them, you know. I mean, it was always like, oh, I care about my kids and my grandkids, the world they're going to live in. But it's real, for especially for my generation as millennials coming into to that space. And we have a lot of work to do. And we got to stay focused and not overwhelmed, hopefully. That is a wonderful note to end on. I, I thank you so much, both of you, for doing this important work of pushing Louisville and all of our cities forward in sustainability. Uh, I know it can feel thankless or behind the scenes sometimes, but I'm putting it on the front porch here today on Sustainability Now, and I really honor you for all the work you're doing, and, and thanks for taking the time for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having us, and we're really happy to talk to anybody who has any questions about anything we mentioned, so please get in touch with us, and we look forward to working with you. All right. Yeah, thank you. This is a really nice conversation. Great. Thanks, everybody. Good luck in 2022, and stay tuned, everyone. Speaking of 2022, I've got your community action calendar coming up, so lots of ideas for how you can get engaged in sustainability this week, so stay tuned, my friends. I was a child, I walked these hills, drank from the streams and heard the whippoorwills, and I ran through the fields just as fast as I could, through rocks in the creek, from the deep green woods, climbed up on the mountain, there as fresh as could be. Then my Kentucky soul fly free, fly free, fly free Down from the Ohio to the big sandy And up in the mountain holler down to the big city Gonna let my Kentucky soul fly free Now I'm a man, I live in the big city It's a crazy life, don't bother me Cause deep down inside, I'm still a country boy You know I gotta get back to where I was born Down by the rivers, where I long to be Kentucky soul fly free, fly free, fly free down from the Ohio to the big sandy and up in the mountain hollow down to the big city. Don't let my Kentucky soul fly free. Right, we're back here on Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mong, listening to the sweet sounds of Apple Latin, and many thanks to them for giving us permission to use their great local music on the podcast versions of our programs, which you can find archived at forwardradio.org. Hope you've got your 2022 calendars out and your pencils sharpened and are ready to take action for sustainability this week. Yes, my friends, you are the reason we have or have not a sustainable world. It is all of us working together to make this happen. So there's always opportunities to get engaged and to learn more and get connected and networked with others. It doesn't happen because you do things alone. It happens because we all come together as a community, help each other out, move each other forward. So this week, there's a lot going on, even just 
Tuesday, January 18th. There's a whole bunch of things going on. Starting at 4 o'clock, it is the first in this UofL Sustainability Council's series of spring sustainability roundtables, virtually online, open to the public. It's a great opportunity to meet folks engaged in sustainability locally, ask them questions, and learn from them. And this coming Tuesday, the 18th at 4 p.m., we're going to hear from Marlena Wolf. Guidance for Growers. She'll be kicking off our Spring Sustainability Roundtable series, which happens on alternate Tuesdays from 4 to 5 p.m., starting on the 18th. Our first roundtable is featuring Marlena Wolf, a UofL graduate, a farmer, a garden coach, and an entrepreneur. She fled corporate America back in 2009, took an apprenticeship on an organic vegetable farm, and has never looked back. Sounds like my kind of woman. She has grown over 30 varieties of fresh produce on on several acres. The love, challenge, and practice of growing fruits, vegetables, herbs, and pollinators is her craft. She shares that craft through Guidance for Growers Consulting, LLC, which brings her expertise to the table while designing and building high-end raised bed gardens for Louisville homes and businesses. Now, no registration is required. You can find the link to join the conversation at louisville.edu slash sustainability for the Tuesday Sustainability Roundtable with Marlena Wolf of Guidance for Growers at 4 p.m. online. Later that evening on Tuesday at 6.30 p.m., it's going to be the Louisville Community Grocery All Owners Meeting, and everyone is encouraged to join them for this virtual owner event. You can meet the newest team members. There's a lot of new staff on board with Louisville Community Grocery and learn more about how their new prepared foods program uh, is going, as well as volunteer opportunities and more. Pre-registration is required, and it's not too late to become an owner and join them. They're now at 230 owners and our goal of 2,000 owners in order to open the store. So more than a quarter of the way there, but the only way we get there and get this store opened is if you and all your neighbors join as members of the Louisville Community Grocery today. Way back in 2015, a small group of us community members and food justice advocates concerned about the loss of downtown grocery stores and the lack of access to fresh, healthy food came together with the mission to open a community-owned grocery store. We began exploring the possibility of a cooperative grocery to serve Louisville's urban neighborhoods. What started as a shared belief turned into a mission to open a community-owned store through a cooperative business model. We've worked with community members, UofL, and neighborhood organizations to research potential locations and services for the community grocery. We've held community events and begun outreach campaigns to educate the community about cooperatives, which is a fairly new concept for Louisville. Today, we're still working hard towards our goal of opening a grocery store, and we need your help to get there. Individuals, households, and local businesses can become co-owners of the grocery today to help us open the doors to food justice tomorrow. Standard lifetime ownerships cost just $150 and if you have economic barriers, you can choose to pay in five installments of $30. Or if you're a senior over 65, a youth under 25, unemployed, disabled, a SNAP or EBT user, or otherwise systemically disadvantaged, you can purchase a subsidized Advantage share for just one payment of $25, no questions asked. Advantage shares have all the same benefits of ownership as the standard price shares. We want everybody to participate in and benefit from the Louisville Community Grocery. You can learn more and become a member or learn about volunteer opportunities and learn about the all-owners meeting coming up on the 18th at 6.30 p.m. at louisvillecommunitygrocery.com. 
Also, Tuesday the 18th at 7 p.m. online, it's the Greater Louisville Sierra Club's monthly program with Ashley Wilms, director of the Kentucky Resources Council. Forward Radio's proud community partner, the Greater Louisville Sierra Club, invites you to join them on Zoom to hear from Ashley Wilms. Uh, She's recently appointed director of KRC, replacing Tom Fitz Fitzgerald, who served as director throughout the history of KRC and is transitioning into a senior staff role. For 35 years, the Kentucky Resources Council has been a trusted source of legal representation, advice, and assistance to individuals, communities, and local governments on a wide range of environmental and energy issues. KRC provides consistent, aggressive advocacy on environmental and public health issues by monitoring and educating the public on permits, regulations, and legislation, facilitating networking among environmental and citizens groups, and providing direct and indirect legal representation without charge to individuals, community groups, and local governments. Now, Ashley Wilms attended Center College and the University of Oregon School of Law, where she earned a specialty certificate in environmental and natural resources law. Before joining KRC, she participated, she practiced environmental law as a solo practitioner, served as a visiting lecturer at the University of Denver, and worked as in-house counsel for environmental advocacy organization Wild Earth Guardians. Ashley has represented organizations across the country on environmental manners and has argued cases before the U.S. Courts of Appeal for the Ninth and Tenth Circuit. She is chair of the Environmental Law Section of the Kentucky Bar Association. You'll want to meet her and get to know her vision for KRC and some of the issues they are facing with the Kentucky legislature that has just begun. It's this Tuesday, the 18th at 7 p.m. online. You can find the link to register at sierraclub.org slash Kentucky, sierraclub.org slash Kentucky. Now, later in the week, on Thursday, January 20th, it's the return of the third Thursday lunch series, this month on the state of homelessness in Louisville, with Natalie Harris, executive director of the Coalition for the Homeless. Natalie will speak about how the affordable housing crisis and segregation in Louisville affect those who are unable to afford or maintain housing in our community. Her address at the third Thursday lunch series is this Thursday, the 20th, from noon to 1 p.m online. Unfortunately, the in-person lunches have not been able to resume because of COVID. Uh, In addition to statistics showing who and how many people are in need of housing, she will share how things have changed even more rapidly during the pandemic in good ways and bad, and how we can work to make things better in the future for our houseless population. Back in 2010, Natalie Harris joined the Coalition for the Homeless, a nonprofit organization committed to advocacy, education, and collaboration on the issues of homelessness. The Coalition is a member agency of over 30 homeless shelter and service providers serving Louisville. They have a staff of 25 and a budget of over $5 million. Much of it passed through funding to directly provide homeless services. The third Thursday lunch series, of course, is presented by Forward Radio's proud community partners, Fellowship of Reconciliation and the Sowers of Justice Network. You can learn more about this Thursday's noon presentation and find the link to register at facebook.com slash so. J-N-L-O-U. That's the Sowers of Justice Network, Lou. Facebook.com slash S-O-J-N-L-O-U. 
Now, coming up on Saturday, you heard about it on last week's program, but Saturday, January 22nd, I want to remind you, is the Trees Louisville Canopy Court Volunteer Training taking place from 10 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. You can come learn how to plant and care for trees by a professional and then be added to their tree planting volunteers network. Becoming a Canopy Core volunteer is a wonderful opportunity to help increase Louisville's urban tree canopy. As a member, you will assist Trees Louisville in planting, pruning, watering, and mulching projects across the city. Trees Louisville will provide you with proper training from an ISA certified arborist on the best practices to plant and care for trees. In order to become a Canopy Core volunteer, you must attend a training session as well as be able to work outdoors, lifting, bending, and digging. If you have questions or would like to sign up, you can just email volunteer at treeslouisville.org. There's also more information available on their website at treeslouisville.org. Again, this Saturday, January 22nd, 10 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., Trees Louisville Canopy Core volunteer training. Get in touch with them at volunteer at treeslouisville.org. And on Sunday, January 23rd, I mentioned it earlier, it is the Kentucky Conservation Committee's annual legislative summit from 1 to 4 p.m. Also online. Thank you, pandemic. KCC's annual legislative event is always packed full of information about this year's General Assembly. So please join us for a Sunday afternoon interactive Zoom session on key conservation and environmental issues paired with additional online resources to provide you with all the necessary advocacy tools you need throughout the 2022 Kentucky General Assembly and beyond. Included will be an overview of bills that have already been filed in the Kentucky General Assembly or anticipated, along with KCC's analysis and recommendations for action. In addition, they'll be reviewing federal initiatives that are ripe for local action and emerging conservation issues in the state. Sessions will include additional online toolkits and opportunities to speak directly with lawmakers and issue experts on a range of conservation topics. The keynote for this year's conference coming up on Sunday will be Kentucky Energy and Environment Secretary Rebecca Goodman. Secretary Goodman was appointed as the state's top environmental officer in December of 2019 and has spent more than four decades in service to the Commonwealth. She'll share her thoughts about the state of the environment as well as opportunities coming out of recent federal funding that could be used to support our local environmental initiatives. In addition, Tok Oiwoli from the Global Alliance for Incinerator Alternatives will lead a session on the environmental impacts of chemical recycling. A bill involving this process has already been filed for the 2022 session as HB 45, as well as Pam Thomas from the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy to give us some budget highlights. You can get all the details and register for Sunday's annual legislative summit at kyconservation.org, kyconservation.org. And finally, on Sunday the 23rd at 2.30 p.m. in the main library, there will be an event called Ending Homelessness in Our Lifetime, a conversation to action event. How can we as a city work to make sure that all of our citizens live with a sense of security and a place to call home? Join in the discussion with community leaders who are actively pursuing solutions on both individual and governmental levels. Panelists include Metro Councilman Ja'Cory Arthur, Tony Curtis, Director of Development at Metropolitan Housing Coalition, Celine Mutuyamaria, a community policy strategist at Louisville Urban League, Giselle Danger Mercaderes, a JCPS Student Equity and Community 
Community Engagement Coordinator, and Susan Buccino, uh, Louisville Metro Homeless Services Director. This program is free, but registration is required at lfpl.org for the Sunday, January 23rd, 2.30 p.m., Ending Homelessness in our Lifetime Event at the Main Library. Go to lfpl.org. And that's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and I look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well. Descansa. <laughs>